Father God, thank you for what we've experienced so far. Lord, as you have spoken to our hearts already, as we know that your Holy Spirit, he is here, God. We can just feel his presence, and God, we are moved by that, and we are overwhelmed by that. God, thank you so much for dwelling in our midst. God, the fact that you are right here in the center of our chest. God, I just cannot get over the fact that you would want to indwell. God, it's such a filthy vessel. God, but you do. You do, Lord. You come in and you change our lives from the inside out. God, you turn our lives upside down, as Kayla said, for our good and for your glory. And God, I praise your name for that. Lord, now as we look into your word, I pray that lives are changed by the power of your Holy Spirit through the preaching and teaching of your word. God, we know that this word has the power to change lives, and we just rejoice in that fact. And God, let our hearts be open and our ears be attentive. God, take the blinders off of our eyes so we might be able to see your glory and see you for who you have revealed yourself to be through the person of Jesus Christ. God, I pray, Lord, as we continue through this miraculous series, God, that the miracle of Jesus rocks somebody's life, God, and brings them to a saving knowledge of your son, Jesus. God, do what you need to do in order to change us all for your glory and for our good. For it's in his precious name I do pray. Amen. You can be seated. Can I just be transparent with you for a second? I guess I'm kind of always transparent. I like to pull back the curtain sometimes and just kind of tell you what goes on here. Uh, I sit on the front row. You guys may have noticed that. And it's not so I can hop up here and do a welcome or so that I can be ready to preach the word and I don't have to walk very far. I can do that from back there. Uh, I'm not opposed to walking from the back of the room to the front of the room. I can do that, and I can do it in pretty short order. It doesn't require me a whole lot of time to do that. But the reason I actually sit on the front row, there's two reasons, as a matter of fact. One is because I'm closer to the altar. I don't have to go very far. I, 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 can, I can just kneel right where I am and be at the altar. Now, you may ask yourself, well, what is the purpose of coming up here and praying? Can I do that in my seat? Absolutely, you can. Without a shadow of a doubt, you can pray in your seat, and God will hear your prayer just like he hears your prayer if you're down here. The advantage is if you come down here and you pray, we get to pray with you. You get brothers and sisters in Christ praying alongside you. Some of them may even feel inclined to come wrap their arm around you and actually speak words of encouragement or pray over you while you're there. And, and some people like that. I, I happen to be a person that likes to pray with people. I, I, I like to put my hands on people and share their burdens. Yeah, I don't have to ask them what's going on in their life to share in their burden. I just know that they're down here praying to God, and they need somebody else to pray with them and to let them know that they're not alone. That's the purpose. That's, that's the purpose of coming down here. You can certainly pray in your seat, and that is perfectly fine. If you want to kneel down at your chair, wherever you are, that's perfectly fine. I don't care. If you want to go outside, if you want to go to the back of the room, if you need to go in the bathroom and pray, I don't care. But what I can tell you is if you come down here and you pray that there are going to be people praying for you, whether they come and put their hands on your back or whether they stay in their seats, they're going to look at you not with judgmental eyes, but they're going to look at you with compassion and say, that is a hurting person. They need my prayers. and They need Jesus Christ to intercede in their life. That's the purpose. That, that, that's why we have this. We could put chairs all the way up to the front. Now, it might blow somebody's ears off if we did that, but we could do that. But the purpose of having the chairs back a little further is so that you can come down here and we can share in each other's burdens as God called us to do. You're not supposed to walk in this Christianity thing by yourself. Christianity was never meant to be a solo sport. 
This ain't golf. Christianity, you are meant to do this as a team, uh, together. I mean, we're supposed to do this thing locked arm in arm for the kingdom of God. So that's why I encourage you to come down here and pray. You don't have to. It's okay if you don't. I'm good with it if you don't. I want you to pray. I really do. And if you feel better praying back there, pray back there. If you want to come down here and pray so that people can pray for you, do that too. The reason I sit on the front is because I like being able to come to the altar and pray. I just like not having to go very far. And I'm just right there at it, man. If I feel inclined to just come and pray, I can just do that. I don't have to worry about getting around any chairs or moving around anybody. I can just fall down right there and I'm good to go. I just like that. That's me. But the other reason is this. I don't like being distracted. I don't like being tempted with the fact that there may be somebody in front of me that's not raising their hands. And I may look at them and think, well, I can't raise my hands in worship because they're not doing it. If you, if you watch me down here, I don't care. I, I mean, I, I've gotten to the place now in my relationship with Christ that, that I, I'll, I'll raise my hands no matter. But there was a point in time where I, I would be like intimidated because I would see there's nobody in front of me standing up or there's nobody in front of me raising their hands. I don't think I should do that. Everybody's going to think that freakazoid back there on the back row is raising his hands and standing up when nobody else is. And I, I, I don't know if I want to be like that guy. <laughs> Well, I'm the freakazoid that sits on the front row and stands up and raises my hands in worship. And, hey, I love y'all. I really do. I love y'all to death, and I'm so thankful that you're here, but I don't care what you think of me. <laughs> I really don't. I love Jesus more than I love you. I don't know how else to tell you that, but I do. I love him way more than I love you. I love him more than I love my wife. I love him more than I love my daughter. I love him more than I love my parents, my sister, my brother. I love him more than I love you guys. And I'm going to worship him in spirit and in truth. And I don't care if, if I'm in a prison camp, if, if I'm in some country where they will persecute you or kill you, if I'm in Pakistan, and they say, if you worship your king, your Lord, your Savior, you will die. I promise you, I will stand for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and I will worship him. And I do not care what anybody else thinks. Now, I am not saying that to be boastful about my faith in God. I'm telling you how I feel about Jesus. And I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And I am not afraid to tell anybody that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I'm going to worship him regardless of what you think. I am going to. I love you guys, but I don't love you as much as him. I don't love you as much as him. I don't know why I felt so inclined to say that, but I wanted to. That was free. Now we get into the message. We've been in a series called Miraculous. I've been talking about the miracles of Jesus. It's been really cool. I got several people that's giving me good feedback on this. I really like the series, and I'm like, that's awesome. That's wonderful. I love that. God told me to do it. You need to thank him, not me. So I'm just saying, if you want to praise somebody for this uh, series, you need to praise him and say, hey, God, you did a good job on this series. Kenny's kind of a doofus, but you're doing a really good job in the series, okay? Because he is the one that has put this series on my heart. And we've been talking about the miracles of Jesus. And we can't talk about all of them, admittedly. Uh, there, there's, there's 37 of them reco uh, recorded in the New Testament. There's a ton more than that. And John says that if we were to try to write them all down, the books in the world wouldn't be able to fill them up. So we're only talking about a few of them. We're kind of picking and choosing as we go through the Gospels and talking about certain ones and not talking about certain ones. doesn't mean that they're any less important. It's just we had to kind of dwindle down the series to something manageable, and that's the reason we did that. So we've been talking about some important ones. We've been doing it on Wednesday night and Sunday mornings talking about the miracles of Jesus, and we'll continue talking about it next Wednesday. So if you want to come on Wednesday and hear more about the miracles of Jesus, feel free to do that. I'm enjoying it just as much as everybody else. It's a good thing, and I, I, 
I just love being able to study it. I mean, I, I hate to say it for you guys, I get more out of it than you do. Uh, you never really learn something until you got to be able to teach it to somebody else, right? So unfortunately for you guys, you're getting secondhand information. Man, I'm getting it right from the source. I'm loving it, right? It's, it's good, you know? And uh, I don't even know. I, was just, I went off on a rant there. I, I'm just loving it, and I'm loving what God is doing through it. So as we continue in the series called Miraculous, we talked on Wednesday night about the feeding of the 5,000. So logically, we got to go on next uh, and, and talk about Jesus walking on water and Peter getting out there with him. Now, in, in particular, this particular uh, uh, record is only written down in, in the Matthew's Gospel. It's only recorded in Matthew's Gospel. I don't know why. Maybe the other guys were jealous. I, I mean, I don't really know. They're like, Peter got to do this, and everybody else is jealous except for Matthew, and Matthew decided to write it down. I'm not exactly sure, but Matthew recorded it. So we're going to look at Matthew's account in Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 22. Now, what has just happened is Jesus got done feeding the 5,000. So everybody's all just pumped up about the fact that Jesus, I say 5,000, it's actually like 25,000 people. We talked about on Wednesday night how that would be like JSU's football stadium, the Paul Snow's Burgess Field Stadium, whatever it's called now, I don't really know. Um, it now can seat like 24,000 people. It used to be able to seat like 15,000, and they expanded it, and now it's like at 24,000. So if you want to know how many people f Jesus fed in that particular example, you can look at JSU Stadium and say this was packed to the gills. Some of you are like going, you know, like your mind is blown, like that, right? I mean, like that's a lot of people that Jesus fed with five loaves and two fishes. And people were wowed by Jesus. They were like blown away. This Jesus guy, he's for real. And we like the fact that we ate so much, our stomachs are full, and like we just, we're stuffed. They literally said that they were gorged. They, they were literally gorged with the amount of food that they could eat. And then there was some left over. I had a friend of mine text me this morning and said, you know what, God provides. He reminded me of a passage of Scripture in Corinthians where God provides so much so that there's even some left over. His, his grace, his mercy, his love, all these things, are. he provides them in such abundance that there's always some left over. That's the way God operates. Man, I'm thankful that I serve a God like that. A living God who's there to pour into me and is there to give me in abundance of what I don't deserve. And he, he overflows. I'm gorged on his love and on his mercy, and I, I'm just I'm overflowing with it. It blows me away. It blows my mind. It wrecks my heart. It turns my life upside down. It does all of these wonderful, tragic things all in one. And it just, it's amazing what God is able to do. It is a miracle of God. So here the people are, they're like, oh, hey, I like this Jesus guy, man. He like feeds us from nothing. It was five loaves, two fishes. This little boy brought his sack lunch and Jesus fed us all from that. And it's really good stuff. So you would think that Jesus, I mean, if, if I'm... I'm not Jesus. If I were Jesus, though, I would be like, hey, we got a bunch of people here now. Let's, let's hang out with these people, and we can teach them more and more about the kingdom of God. We can, they'll, they'll be listening now. You know, We fed them yesterday. If I feed them again this morning, they'll probably be really tuned in, and they'll be like, man, this, this Jesus guy, he's got it going on. But Jesus doesn't operate like that. He really doesn't. He feeds 5,000 people, 25,000, 5,000 men. He feeds 25,000 people. And then he gets in the boat and tells his disciples, we got to go, man. It's time for us to leave this area. What? Come on, Jesus. Like, don't you want to do something else to get these guys going some more for your kingdom and get them all fired up and everything? Like, Jesus, what are you doing, man? Look what it says in Matthew chapter 14, beginning of verse 22. 
Immediately after this, Jesus insisted. He insisted. He's like making his disciples do stuff. They were probably like going, Jesus, come on, man. Look, everybody's really fired up now about this whole stuff that you've been teaching. You just fed them, and you fed a bunch of people, and now they're fired up. And Jesus said, no, we got to get in the boat. Do what? Come on, man. Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Jesus stuck around to send everybody home, likely probably teaching them some other things. Go home. Go do your thing. Remember the things I've said about the kingdom of God. Just It's time to go now. Doesn't this sound so contrary to what we think church is supposed to be? Jesus feeds them all, tells them about the kingdom of God, and he sends them all home. You would think he'd just want to keep them around and, and keep... Jesus knows this about people. They may stick around for a little bit, but what will stay with them longer is the word of God. They may stick around for the food, but what they will really need in their life is the sustenance that comes from the word of God and the truth of God, and that's what will be with them when they go home. Hopefully, for you, when you go home from this place, this is not the only time you're getting fed. Hopefully, there's a time when you go back, you say, I want to read more about what Kenny was talking about this morning. I want to go and read on my own and do a Bible study on my own and talk to my friends about the Word of God because it is powerful, and what we've seen through the Word of God is something that changes lives, and I just want more of that. Hopefully, it's not just in this place that you're getting fed. Hopefully, you're doing that at home. And here Jesus sends everybody home. As after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. So his disciples have gotten in the boat. They're headed to the other side of the lake. Jesus sends everybody home. He's hanging out. He goes up into the hills and prays. A lot of times Jesus would do this. He'd get away from everybody else to go and pray. Let me encourage you to do that. To just get alone by yourself and pray. It's good to pray here, and I want you to pray here, but it's also good for you to pray at home and by yourself and get alone and away from everything else and just pray. Jesus did this all the time, and I think it's a great example for us. Go pray. Go pray. Just talk to God. You'll talk to God in a way at home that you won't necessarily talk to him in here. So I encourage you to go home, and, and as you're building that relationship with God, that you continue to talk to him in prayer. And that's what Jesus does. He goes home. He goes off by himself and he prays and night fell while he was there. So it becomes night, it's dark. The disciples are in the boat and it's dark. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. The disciples had been in this situation before, right? Like they were, they were, they've been in a boat before and the waves got real bad and the winds were blowing real bad and a storm came up and they were like, oh, but I remember Jesus is in the bottom of the boat. Let's go get Jesus and see what he can do about this situation. So they did that. Jesus, why are you asleep, man? We're dying up here. We're perishing because the boat is like being tossed to and fro with all these waves and the wind. It is awful, and you got to do something. And Jesus goes up there and goes, shh. And like, I mean, that's all he did. Like, shh. And like the winds, the seas, everyone, whoop. And just like as still as the stage up here, just like, whoop, you know, nothing. It's like glass on the water all of a sudden after Jesus... Well, now they're in trouble, right? Because Jesus told them to go the other side, and now all of a sudden Jesus ain't in the boat no more. We left Jesus back at the shore. He was back there sending everybody home and praying, and now we're in a pickle, right? <laughs> He's like, the disciples, there's 12 of them in there, and they're like, okay, what do we do now? Well, there's good news. 
As with most storms in life, Jesus is not far away. They were fighting the heavy waves, it says in verse 24. And in 25 it says this, about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. You know what stood between Jesus and the people he loved? Nothing. Nothing. You think the fact that, that there was water between him and his disciples bothered Jesus? You think the fact that Jesus didn't have a boat you think that bothered Jesus? The fact that the waves are crashing and the wind is blowing and rain's pouring down and it's just chaos out there on the seas. You know what kept Jesus from his, the people that he loved? Nothing. Nothing. Jesus says, I'll just walk out there too. <laughs> I'll just go too. They need me. And my, my guess is, even though they may not have been speaking this out loud, you know what I think that they were probably saying in their minds? This, this is where the heart comes into play. They were probably saying, man, if only I had Jesus. You know who we need right now? We need Jesus. You know who I wish was in the boat with us right now? Jesus. I wish he was here to go, shh, like that to all the waves and the wind and all that to make it be calm again. Even though they may not have said that out loud, and there's no record of them saying that, I believe in their hearts they were probably going, you know what I, we need is Jesus. You know what Jesus did? He came to them. He heard that cry of their heart. He heard their prayer of their heart. They didn't even have to utter the words out loud. Jesus knew that, that Jesus is what they wanted. So Jesus came to them. Jesus heard the cries of the people that he loved, and he came to them. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. You and I would do that, right? Like, so we're out there on the water, and we don't know why there's something out there walking on it, our logical conclusion is something's not right. You know, something is going on here that doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. We don't know what this is. And this day and time, it was very common for them to go, well, it's a ghost. We don't really know what that is. It must be a ghost. And they were, their minds were blown and they're worried to death. And, and sure enough, they're thinking it's a ghost. It says, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage, I am here. Hasn't this been the message of Jesus in every single miracle we've looked at that he's, he's been a part of? Hasn't this been the message of Jesus from the very beginning? Don't be afraid. Don't be terrified. Don't be worried. Don't be scared to death. Take courage. Have courage. Have strength. Have strength. You know why? Because he says, I'm here. For you and your life and the difficult situations that you face and the struggles and the winds and the raging seas and all that kind of junk that you face every single day in your life, the words of Jesus to you are this. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm right here. I'm right here for you. I know every single wave that has come against the boat. I know every single raindrop that has fallen on your head. I know how the winds are pushing against you. I am right here. You called out for me in your heart, and because of that, I am here and I am in your midst, and you don't need to be afraid any longer. There's so much I could say. So much I could say. I want you to remember that there are 12 guys in the boat. There are 12 different guys in this boat, right? 
He had 12 disciples, so Jesus is there. There's three different kinds, three different levels of faith that we see in the guys in the boat. Now you're like, well, Kenny, you can't, you can't do that. That's not in here. Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, it is. When you start thinking about the situation, you start thinking about where they were in their relationship with Jesus and where they were in their faith, you can see what I'm talking about when I tell you that there's three different levels or three different kinds of faith that you see in the boat. The first one is this. I would say that there's guys that have faith in Jesus. There, there were guys that had faith in Jesus and who he was and the fact that he was the Son of God and they recognized that. And, th- and they knew that he could do stuff in their life. They knew that he could, he could calm the waves and calm the seas and calm the rains and, and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I think that there's ten of those guys in that boat, right? Matthew records it here. Matthew was there. He's seen the the miracles that Jesus is able to perform. He's seen the kind of stuff that Jesus is able to do. And they got faith, man. They got faith in Jesus and what he's able to do and the fact that he's the son of God. They they really do. I mean, that's a good faith to kind of have, right? And, and, And there are people... It's good. Listen to me. This is not bad, okay? This is not bad for for you to hear what I'm saying. This is not bad for you to have this kind of faith. People pray all the time, God, my daughter's sick. God, my husband is sick. God, I'm sick. God, I've got this going on in my life. God, I've got relationship difficulties. I've got a mother, a daughter, a son, a brother, somebody in, in my life, and God, there needs to be healing in that relationship, or there needs to be healing brought to my body or their body, or, or, or God, you just need to intervene in their life, and that is great. And we're supposed to bring our needs before God, and we're supposed to pray to God, and we're supposed to say, God, I need you right here in this place in my life. Look, I was there. I, I was in that place. In my, when my little girl was dying, I wanted everything. I wanted God to fix everything, and I would pray, and I had faith that God could and would and and all of that kind of stuff, and I was there. I know what it's like. I've been there, man. I know what it's like, and God absolutely hears those prayers. We see men that were in need right here, and God was there. Jesus walked out on the water to get to them. They had a need in where they were, in their place, in their situation, and the storms were coming, and they needed Jesus, and he was there. He heard that. That's good. It is good to have that kind of faith. But then there's also one guy in there. He saw all Jesus did. He saw the miracles that he performed, raising the dead and able to heal sick people and cast out demons and making blind people able to see and lame people able to walk. And he saw all that stuff. His name was Judas. Yeah, he was in the boat. He was right there with everybody else. He saw everything that everybody else saw. But the problem with Judas is the fact that he saw Jesus as a means to an end. He was skimming money off the treasury. He was taking the money in. He held the bag. It's what the Bible says. And he would take a little bit out for himself. I hate to say it. There's some people out there like that. Jesus is not the end for them. He's a means to an end. So Jesus, if he's not everything to you, if he's not, he's not what you desire in your life solely then you got to look at your life and say, am I using Jesus to get to something else? Am I trying to, to portray a certain lifestyle so that I can get to another end? And the end is not Jesus. Because that's what Judas was doing. He was going along, he was playing the game, and he was acting like everybody else. But in reality, there was something else that he had in his heart, something else that he wanted. 
And because of that, Jesus was not the end for him. He was a means to another end. Judas saw everything everybody else saw. But he didn't see Jesus for who he was as the Son of God. And he didn't see the fact that his using of Jesus to accomplish another end was going to mean his own end. And that's exactly what happened to Judas when he hung himself and when his, the tree broke after he hung himself and his insides just spilled out everywhere is what the Bible tells us happened to Judas. It ain't a pretty picture. It ain't a pretty picture. Judas was there and saw everything everybody else saw. But Jesus was just a means to an end for him. But we see another guy. We see a different level of faith. We see another guy who, you know, some, some storms... Some trials, you, you like, they come on you and you didn't have anything to do with them. But some of them, you step out there in faith and you just say, God save me. <laughs> some of them you bring on yourself because you're taking a step of faith. You're, you're taking it to the next, next level in your relationship with Jesus. You want something more, something deeper because you just want Jesus. And here we see Peter, this man named Peter. I think, I think his level... And his, his relationship with Jesus and his faith levels on a different plane in this place with Jesus at this point in time. Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Peter said, Jesus, I believe. I believe it's more than about just what I can see you do. I, I believe it's more than just about the things that I've seen up until this point. I believe that you can do something in me that I don't even know that I believe I can do. I believe you see, you, you've got power to change me in such a way that I'll be able to do some supernatural things and it won't make sense to any of us. I don't think that Peter was interested in glorifying himself so much at this time. You know what I think Peter wanted to do? I think he wanted to go to Jesus. I think he wanted to be close to Jesus. And I believe that, that he had a faith level where he said, God, no matter what it takes, I just want to come to you and get close to you. And, and I want you to do something miraculous in my life. Jesus looked to him and said, yes, come. Yes, come. As Jesus makes himself apparent in your life, we all have a choice. We all absolutely have a choice about the storms and the waves. And are we going to let those difficult times and those trials, are they gonna, we going to let those strengthen our faith or demolish our faith? Are we going to let those things take us closer to Jesus or further away from him? Because I believe what happened with Judas as time went on, it took him further and further away from Jesus. Because he was still looking at Jesus as a means to an end. But with Peter, each time he faced a challenge, faced a difficulty, it just took him to another level. It increased his faith. It increased his desire to be close to Jesus. You have that same opportunity as you face trials and difficulties in your life. You can either say, that's fine, or you can say, yes, I'm coming to you, Jesus, because I want you to do something supernatural in my life, and I want you to take me to, my, to the next level in my relationship with you. And Jesus just looked at Peter and said, yes, come. Jesus doesn't need a whole lot of words. He doesn't need a whole lot of pomp and circumstance. He just says, yes, come, Peter. You come to me because I know this is where you want to be. So Peter went over to the other side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. 
That's, that's one, one verse. What a miracle of God in one verse. Peter gets, he gets over to the other side of the boat, which means he must have been, when he was calling out to Jesus, he was on one side, Jesus was on the other, and he, he parted his way through the disciples. Y'all get out of the way. i got to go to Jesus. Can you imagine what they must have been thinking? They must have been like, dude, you crazy. You crazy. You, you going to say you're going to walk out on the water? We've seen what you've seen. We've seen what God's able to accomplish in this place. We know what he's able to accomplish in this world. And Peter says, get out of my way. Let me get to Jesus. And he goes over to the other side of the boat, and he steps out on the water. Can you imagine how terrifying that must have been? He's a fisherman. Peter's a fisherman. He knows what's under the top of the water. He knows a bad storm when he sees it, and he knows how bad it can be if you go to the bottom. And he steps out on the water because Jesus said, yes, come. But old flesh starts to creep back in, right? So it says, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. So Peter, he starts looking around at the situation, right? He's like, okay, I, I came. Jesus, you told me to come. I came. But it's really bad out here. It's a lot tougher than I thought it was going to be. Uh, it, it's still a grocery store, and it still doesn't have really good air conditioner. It's really tougher than I thought maybe it was going to be when I first stepped out. And he starts looking around. He starts to, to sink down a little bit, you know. He starts to look around at the situation and go, I don't know about this. I had that strong faith at the beginning. But what is Jesus doing right here? He is increasing Peter's faith. Did Jesus have to let him sink? No, he didn't have to. He's God. He could have just let him walk. I mean, he could have floated above the water if, Peter, if Jesus would have wanted Peter to do that. But Jesus let him sink. Why did he let him sink? Why do you think that sometimes we go down in the water? Why do you think sometimes we look around and see how bad the situation is? Why do you think sometimes we don't just rise above the occasion and are able to just walk on top of the water? You know why? Because Jesus is increasing our faith. Because God is trying to do something miraculous and take you to the next level in your faith. And what does Peter do? He responds the way we should respond. And he says, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Jesus, you know what he's doing? He's trying to get Peter to recognize that the source of his salvation, the source of him being saved is Jesus Christ. You take your eyes off Jesus, you start to sink, you start to look at the situation and everything. The waves seem to get bigger all of a sudden. That's what happened when he went down. The waves got bigger. As, as Peter got lower, the waves got higher, and he took his eyes off Jesus. He's worried about all that garbage. And Jesus, he says, man, I know what's going on. I know how high the waves are. I know how hard the, the wind is blowing. I know that the rain is driving down. on. I know. I know. Just look at me, Peter. Just look at me. Peter looks up at Jesus. Save me, Lord, he shouted. I remember saying that. I remember saying that many times. I remember saying it when I surrendered my heart and life to Jesus Christ and how he rescued me and he pulled me up because I just wanted to be close to him. I didn't know how. I didn't really understand all the ins and outs of what it meant to be a Christian, but I knew I wanted to be close to Jesus. I can remember times when, when my daughter was dying, and I was like, man, save us, Lord. 
Save us, rescue us, take us out of this place. Do something, God, come on. And when I said, save me, Lord, Jesus was going, exactly. That is exactly the place I want you to be in. That is exactly the place I want you to be so I can take you to the next level in your faith walk with me. Exactly. Jesus immediately reached out. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. And look what he starts talking about. He starts talking about Peter's faith. He says, you have so little faith. This place that you're in right now. See, here's the thing. Everybody thinks, well, Peter was, man, he was on this higher plane in his faith. And he was, he was stepping out there on the water where he, where he could potentially sink and drown and die and all those kinds of things. And what are you talking about, Jesus? He's got little faith. What are you talking about? His faith is not strong enough. Peter stepped out of the boat. What is Jesus talking about here? If you read the book of Acts, you see that, Jesus, that, that Peter is the cornerstone of the church, and he's the one that, that, that starts the whole movement of Jesus going on and the name of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus going out through all of the rest of the world. That God is using Peter to accomplish his work through the gospel of Jesus. And it would eventually mean that Peter would give his life. That Jesus wouldn't be there. That Jesus would already have ascended to heaven. And Peter would have to stand there in front of people that would say, You renounce Jesus or you're going to die. And your Jesus is not here to save you now. And Peter looked at them. And he said, when you crucify me, crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to be hung like my Jesus. That's real faith. That's real faith. When you can look and you say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens to me. All that matters is that God be glorified. It doesn't matter if I find healing. It doesn't matter if the cancer goes away. It doesn't matter if I die, if I lose my life, if my family is taken away. If you say, like Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God was taking Peter to a whole new level in his faith. He says, you got a little bit of faith right now. But you keep working it out. You keep trying real hard. You keep calling on me. You keep your eyes focused on me and what I've called you to do and the task that I've called you to do. And when Jesus... When he's resurrected after he's been to the cross, you know what he asked Peter? He says, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Why was he doing that? To take Peter to the next level in his faith walk so that he could stand there before men and say, crucify me if you want to, but crucify me upside down. Jesus said, why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Jesus is trying to take you to the next level. The purpose of this series is because God has spoken and he says there are people that need to take the next step in their faith walk with me. You're not here by accident. 
You're not here because somebody invited you. You're here because the God of this universe brought you here so that you could hear this message, so that you could know that Jesus Christ wants you to reach out to him and say, Lord, save me. Lord, I want to be so close to you that it doesn't matter what happens to me. It only matters that you be glorified. That's the reason you're here today. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you want to reach out to him today and say, Lord, save me, I promise you this, if you say that, he will reach out to you. He will pull you up and he will lift you high. And if you do that, if you surrender, say, Lord, you are my Savior. Jesus, you are the one that rules and reigns in my life. He will constantly, constantly take you to the next level in your faith walk with him. He will constantly challenge you in new ways. He will constantly bring you to your knees so that you can be humbled before him and say, God, save me. Lord, save me. And the choice you have is how to respond to that. Will you let God take you to the next level in your faith walk? Will you let him do that in your life? Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for the example that Peter set. God, I, I know that the men inside the boat, they, they loved you. They wanted to serve you. They wanted to be a part of your kingdom. God, but Peter said, Lord, I believe that you can do something miraculous through me. And God, I want you to take me to the next level. I want to be closer to you than I've ever been, and I want to trust you more than I've ever trusted you. And because of that, because of that, God, you were able to do a miracle in Peter's life. God, there may be somebody here who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. And God, I pray for that soul. I ask you to touch their lives and break their hearts. God, may tears flow from their eyes uncontrollably where they can't stand it and they can't sit there any longer. God, they have to run to you. God, I pray for that person that needs to do that. God, I pray that they would come. Let me talk to them. Let somebody just pour into them. Tell them what it means to be a Christian and how they can surrender their heart and life to Jesus Christ. God, I know that you'll reach out to them. If they ask you to save them, God, I know that you'll reach out to them. And then for the Christian that's here, and God, they're full of doubt, and they're full of worry, and they're full of heartache. And God, they just need to reach out to you and say, Lord, save me, because I want to be closer to you than I've ever been. And God, I need you to rescue me out of this situation, not so that I can be better, but just so I can be closer to you. God, I pray for that soul. God, I pray that they would just come and lay their lives down at this altar and give it all to you and say, Lord, whatever happens to me, be glorified. God, for those that just want to praise the name of Jesus, I pray that they have the freedom to do that. If they want to come and do that at an altar, or they need to do that at their seat, whatever the case may be, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move and convict and change lives. Thank you so much for this precious word. In the holy name of Jesus, our King, I do pray. Amen. Would you all stand?